Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Loop Podcast by Cognizant. Today, it's your boy Gaetano as your host, and we are interviewing Alina Benny, dear friend and colleague of mine, who also happens to be leading content and SEO at Aura, a company that I used to work at. And I'm delighted to be... Let's cut that and do it again. All right. Three, two, one, boom, boom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Loop podcast by Cognizant. Today, it's your boy, Gaetano, as the host, and I'm interviewing a dear friend of mine, Alina Benny, who is also leading content and SEO at Aura. Alina, welcome to the show. Thank you, G. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. And, uh, I'm really excited today to dive into a lot of the knowledge that's sitting up in your brain. You have a lot of it, and uh, I'm sure this is going to be a fantastic interview. So real quick, let's just get into it. Who are you for the people who don't know? Obviously, I know you super well, but it'd be great for you to give the audience out there uh, a little taste of your background and what it is that you do. Sure. Um, I decided to switch this up a little bit because I noticed I always start with work. And so most people online don't know this about me, but I'm an only child and I've been with my partner for nearly 10 years, met him in college, we're still together, yay. Um, And I aspire to work out and read thrillers for a living. But in the meantime, what I do is content and SEO. Um, Like G mentioned, I work with R right now. It's my first direct-to-consumer type of role. Uh, before this, it was all B2B marketing uh, type of roles, starting from Freshworks to Sales Hacker, Outreach, Nextiva, and now here I'm at Aura. All right. I like that you started with the personal side. That is awesome. I know you're quite into the uh, horror stuff, the reading of these uh, crazy, wacky type of books with all these kinds of cool narratives. So that's... Uh, <laughs> a little bit about you outside of the work stuff, which I think is awesome to share. Um, Great. So in terms of the nitty gritty content marketing, SEO, um, where is it going? And I think a lot has changed over recent years. What's your mindset on it? And um, how do you you feel that the industry as a whole is, is shifting? Where do you think things are going with content marketing? I think now more than ever, there's a lot of conversation about content. And before it was, I think, to a large extent, monopolized by how the giants were doing content. And we kept regurgitating that over and over again. Here's what HubSpot's doing. Here's what, you know, Zendesk is doing. And it was the same exact playbook that everybody tried to copy. And now with AI, I feel like everybody's just trying to copy it with AI. So there's, I don't know if there is, the role of the con- of content has changed, but the mindset definitely for those content marketers and content teams that have taken up content seriously is responsible content marketing. And so what I mean by that is it's no longer enough to publish X number of pieces on a topic to build topical authority. It's okay to publish just one, maybe one, you know, two articles, but as long as it hits every single uh, entity in a particular like search query. If your if your intent is on point, if you're hitting all these different angles that somebody would be expecting to see, 
and the experience that you're producing it with and serving it to somebody is uh, hits it on the nail, then I think that's winning content today. And the number of companies that were doing it maybe five or 10 years ago were just a handful. But today I see more and more companies doing that. And those are the names that you keep seeing over and over again on social, on search. Um, they tend to have brand recall too, much higher than the other folks. So. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, <clears throat> to your point about you know the, everyone copying the giants, I'm glad we're starting to see a shift away from that. Uh, the Zendesks of the world, HubSpot, intercoms like they're too powerful and if you're a smaller scrappy underdog you're just not going to be able to compete by copying them um there's so many reasons why that is we don't have to rip that apart but it's great that you called it out um in that last answer so great stuff all right so now that we've kind of covered like where you think things are going how things are shifting and changing what should the aim of b2b content be like how do how do you think about specifically driving declared intent inbound leads. There's, I know it's a hot topic right now, declared intent versus assumed intent. I've talked about that quite a lot and many other figures out there are talking about it. But in terms of declared intent, like how do we do that with content marketing? Because Aura is fresh in my mind and that's what I do 99% uh, of the time uh, during my work day, um, I'll take Aura's example. With Aura, it's not like we're doing just one type of content. And so it's not just content meant to serve a declared intent audience. Neither is it just for an assumed intent audience. The way that I think about it is one channels into the other. And so any content that you create, top or middle of funnel, that is for the assumed intent type of a persona is meant to increase visibility for your bottom of funnel. Uh, content that's inevitably ultimately going to drive uh, those high intent leads or um, sign up and sign ups and conversions. And so, and we've seen it work, right? With Aura, as you know, G very well, uh, a little over a year ago, we did not have an organic content strategy. There was no blog, there was no SEO strategy around landing pages or anything. The website was great. Um, it was, uh, it, it had good experience, fantastic designs. Uh, Aura was making its way up in terms of uh, brand recognition. But when we started creating blog posts, uh, the idea was initially to improve the, the strength of the website and to start earning more backlinks naturally, to start ranking in topics and niches that we did not rank for before. And now that we've done that for over 12 to 14 to, I don't know, 18 months, we're in a great spot to finally focus on that content that can drive um, declared intent or capture declared intent. And I can count, you know, in terms of like the number of posts that are actually fuel that declared intent, it's, it's just a fraction of the overall, um, funnel or like the overall production cycle. But because we've been so meticulous about producing content regularly, producing content within accepted and defined categories, the conversions that we do get from those handful of uh, bottom of funnel, um, high intent posts, they're so qualified and you don't need to do any extra work. And so whatever that number is, say a thousand signups a month, that is easy work, comes with such low CAC and is so worth it. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And I think it's also a great thing that you pointed out, which is content marketing generally is a full funnel approach. 
but you have to be aware of that very small fraction of content that is primarily focused on declared intent. And the rest of it that's not focused on declared intent, you shouldn't expect to get declared intent out of that. So that mismatch of expectations versus reality thing is what causes a lot of B2B companies and even direct-to-consumer companies to uh, take a path uh, that's that's a little bit fuzzy and dark. So yeah. I'm glad that you pointed that out. And, uh, you, and I, yeah, I, just, I fully agree with all that. I was just going to say, in your websites, there's... There's very little you can do right away to capture declared intent because you don't have a precedent. And so you have to kind of start from the ground up. And, and the best place to start is with your assumed or like fantasy funnel concept and your assumed intent type of uh, approach. Make good headway and then, you know, do the do the serious stuff. No, absolutely. Um, all right. So let's get into the specifics on the content types. What do you think... A company can produce if they want to create more inbound declared intent traction how do they get more demand capture declared intent type of traffic to their site what types of content would do that again there's nothing innovative about this and you and i have chatted about this so many times and you speak about it a lot on your linkedin posts as well but these breadwinners i think what's fascinating has remained a constant between B2B and D2C, now that you know, I'm an aura. Comparison content, alternatives, um, cost-related questions, uh, could be just even like roundups of posts, um, a specific problem statement, or let's see what else, how-tos even, which, which I was really surprised by that those types of um, prescriptive type of content was actually driving leads for us. And so, if I were to give you an example from Aura's context, comparison content would be, you know, X competitor versus Aura. Alternatives would be, you know, one of the posts that drives a lot of um, signups for us every month is LastPass alternatives. Cost questions. How much does that any theft protection cost? Or how much does credit protection cost? Definitions. You know, what is any theft insurance? You'd be surprised that a definition type of post can drive actual signups. Problem statements is, can someone hack my iPhone? How to, like I was saying, is how to remove your personal information from the internet. So it doesn't have to be a specific kind, I guess. The more specific you can get with your answer and your question, you know, that that's the key. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And it sounds like you have a formula down that can be applied to a lot of different content strategies and other kinds of industries and verticals. But I love the way you framed it, which is like, competitor content, comparison content, list roundup content, problem statement content, pricing content, buyer process content. So um, it just requires a different level of thinking to hit all these these pieces. And uh, the way you just summarized it there, I think is fantastic. Yeah, the, the final thing to say about that too is not all of these have high volumes. So yeah. as your person, when you're looking at what to go after, if you're only going to prioritize by what's going to be high volume or high CPC, uh, you're not going to probably end up getting results that are relevant. And so the breadwinners aren't always necessarily the high volume target keywords. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, all right. So then reporting on content, how do you think about this? What's the right way to go about it? For a long time, I, I even with past teams, it was really tough, I think, to get into a model that was repeatable. 
something that you, you could look at every week or every two weeks or every month. And I think finally, with, uh, I'm very aligned with how Aura measures content effectiveness as well as content uh, productivity. So from the very high level, how much are we spending on content every month? And then from there to enrollments and subscriptions from these high intent pages that we just described, the actual breadwinners for any website. And then the next level will be customer acquisition costs, which is such a flex for content because it's always going to be the lowest in the room. We then go down to the nitty gritties of the content itself, which is weekly page views, total organic keywords. We love talking about recent wins, snippets, double occupancies. And then we get into the offset SEO stuff with the backlinks. And then what I think most content or SEO teams maybe did not do in the past, which we've started doing again, is to actually look at the activities we're doing every week or every two weeks because just focusing on um, enrollments and signups or traffic, technically speaking, all of these things are beyond our control. With an algorithm update or with holidays uh, or say with a different kind of promotion or the team focusing on something else, uh, these are variables we can control. But day in and day out, if the content is held responsible to do five to six activities, that are bound to give us uh, more leads in the future, then we're gonna keep doing that. And what is that for a content team like us um, at Aura? It will be planning out what keywords to go after next, um, you know, 10 posts to update, adding more internal links, uh, checking out site health scores. Can we do anything about that? Um, cleaning up outlinks from posts, working on our offsite SEO, things like that. So. I think all, all of these have a place um, in SEO reporting or content reporting. Yeah, brilliant, brilliantly stated. Um, you know, it's like basketball. If you don't shoot any three-pointers, you're not going to make any. Yep. So it's the same thing in marketing. If you don't do the activities, you're not going to get the output. So I love the idea of having input metrics and output metrics. I love the idea of looking at leading indicators and lagging indicators so you get the full story. Um and, you know, I saw a, uh, a LinkedIn post by a very well-respected CMO. And the, uh, the takeaway from this post was, hey, marketers, stop focusing so much on activities and mar because marketing is about outcomes. And my reaction to that was, well, how ironic. You can't get the outcomes if the activities aren't there. And you can't get the outcomes if the quality of the activities aren't good. So the irony of the whole thing was like, how do you expect to get outcomes if you don't know if the quality of the activities are any good? So that I think mirrors exactly what you're saying there um, on the reporting. So great, great summary on that. Alina, um, I think we're getting close to the end, but we have a few more. Um, I wanted to ask you, a lot of B2B marketers seem to be struggling with the transition into the new way of doing things. Um, and they're kind of stuck in that old way of thinking about it. So the building of the fantasy funnel, so to speak, trying to misalign assumed intent for declared intent, those kinds of problems. How do you think, how do you think this can be addressed either from a leadership level or from like the individual contributor level? What, how can this be solved? What do you think? To answer your question about at what level it can be addressed, I think it definitely comes down to a leadership level. 
And that is because the first thing I would do is look at your team's strength. How is the team positioned to capture demand right now? And lucky for us, like you and I, over the past five or six years, we've always been in a position where the answer to that question has been content and SEO. And so there has been no dilemma on what we can do and deliver as a team to drive or capture this um, declared intent type of audience. And for most B2B marketing teams, when we're having these different conversations, um, they're doing a little bit of everything because there was some marketing playbook that said there should be a brand team, there should be a brand copywriting team, a PR team, a product marketing team. And you bring this generalist on who's trying to do everything and then end up doing nothing really well. And so the, the first question really is, as a leader, when you're bringing your two to three key players on board, what is their strength? Let them only focus on that for the first six, uh, six months. And for me, the answer is, and if I were to build a team from the ground up today, I would get more operators within content and SEO because it has proven to be so effective for every single company that I've worked for. And to see the results compound over time, there's nothing like it. Absolutely. I guess the other thing would be, um, you know, like we were talking about earlier, how we see top of the funnel, mid of the funnel content uh, and the purpose of it. So it, it is, it's not that anyone's shooting down um, any type of asset that will only work on assumed intent. It's about defining a purpose for those. Webinars aren't bad. Podcasts aren't bad. Events aren't bad. None of these channels are bad. It's only bad when you map it against the wrong metrics. So the outcome of everything can just be signups. And so, which is the exact thing that we, you know, there was a learning curve for everybody um, at the team that I work with right now too. Everybody goes, oh my God, like the conversion rates are, aren't anywhere near the 1% that we were hoping to have. And the answer to that is no, it will never be over 1% or at 1%. For 75% of the content that we produce, the purpose is to build recall, is to grab uh, long tail keywords is to grab space on SERP and is to move away or like push aside competitors and then make Aura a reputed sort of a go-to name. And so the conversion rates are going to be hovering around, I don't know, less than 0.4% or even much, much lower than that. And that does not mean that any particular channel or type of content is bad. As long as you have a defined purpose for each, you're, you're going to be okay. That brilliantly stated, couldn't have said it better myself. Sounds very familiar. And uh, <laughs> I wonder if we've been working together for a while. <laughs> it sounds like we might have. Um, it's it's awesome to be super aligned on this. And uh, I think it's great takeaways for the audience as well. All right, Alina, we're pretty much at the end. Are you ready for some rapid fire? Yes, please. All right, let's get into some rapid fire. First one out-of-the-box, wacky content idea that you'd love to try? No one's going to agree with me, but I am so bought in on this idea. I want to do a very super like low-design content effort. I don't want header images. I don't want inline images or anything like that. I don't want any fluffy type of like CTAs. Straight up, whether it's transactional landing pages or educational content, I want it to be super low-design and almost bothering, boring. Because I want to see what's going to do. Are we just the cost we're putting into design? Yeah, I love it. Getting back to super fundamental textbook ideas here. That's that's an awesome one. All right. What's something you've changed your mind about 
regarding digital marketing? I would say AI. <laughs> I, okay. Every week I go back and forth. Uh, in the beginning, I was really optimistic. I was, uh, I was very sanguine about what it could do for us. Um, a lot of productivity hacks. I'm seeing a lot of roundups on LinkedIn. Um, I started using AI and I quickly realized there's a lazy way to use AI and there's um, the effective way to do AI. And so I, I don't know, I guess I'm, I'm in a state of constant flux here. This week, I think AI can be good to plug in um, small things that could take time away from you. For example, I work on a lot of HTML tables. AI does that for me in less than 20 seconds. And so am I using AI for content? Yes, absolutely. But am I asking it to write 2000 word blog posts for me? No. Right. Love that. Um, cool. Next rapid fire one is name something that you would recommend marketers start doing. I would say weekly sprints. I don't know why the more people I talk to, um, they're surprised that marketers operate on a weekly sprint type of a, you know, a developer oriented schedule. And you were the one that, you know, started insisting that we do this and I've never looked back. It's very effective at any point in time and exactly what I'm doing. Any point in time, the larger team can come take a look at what you're doing. So there's no question about what's happening with content or what's happening within marketing. And I stress on this now because jobs are being cut, budgets are being cut. And so this is a time of high visibility, weekly sprints it is. Such a fan of the weekly sprint model. Um, I actually have to credit Joshua Giardino for that one. He introduced that concept to me back in, I think, 2015. And uh, yeah, I haven't looked back ever since either. So great takeaway. Next rapid fire one, Alina, what is something you would recommend digital marketers stop doing? I would say just, just stop doing or copying what everybody else does. I know it's very tough to wrap your head around, but your business and your audience is yours. And so if you did exactly the same, what, you know, the, whether it's producing content, whether it's like creating events or webinars or whatever it is, if you're doing the exact same thing that your competitor is doing, you're not, you're not really offering anything new. You're not bringing anything new to the table. And so, and how I would extrapolate that into the world of content is exactly what I said before. If everybody's using the same AI tools to feed in the same keywords with the same prompts, it's going to produce the same content that's going to go on your website. Is it going to be faster? Yes, 100%, but you're going to see that traffic tank in no time. Phenomenal takeaway on that. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, that concludes the interview. So thank you, Alina, for the audience out there. If you want to connect with Alina, just go search her on LinkedIn or Twitter, Alina Benny. And um, any parting words? No, I think this is great. Uh, nice, short and sweet. And we got right to the specifics. Thanks, G. That's it. Yeah. Great takeaways. Thanks for the knowledge bombs, Alina. And uh, we'll see you guys next time on the Loop Podcast. Until then, take care.